start now just so that we know, so that I know that Tim can claim up while I'm uh, getting rolling here. Has everybody got backups running? Uh, boop, uh, no, boop, I don't. Boop, boop, boop. Yes, my backup is running. What's the name of that? Audacity. The audacity. The audacity. Right, exactly. Yeah. Okay, I'm good. I'm recording. Nice. That's good. Yeah. So you want to just get started then? Like, I can just roll now. Yeah, you can roll. Rolling awesome. with the home. You have our permission to roll. Yes, this is the yeah. the worst preamble that's ever <laughs> happened, but welcome back, everybody, to Dance Robot Dance. This is episode 203. Uh, I'm your host. I'm Mark, and I'll be your host this week. I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. What's going on? I didn't write this part in my notes. I should have ported it over. I'm here with my brother, Paul. Hi, I'm here. Who is, for the last time, in the same area code as us. In the same house as you. In the same, in the house. same house as me, yes. It's been a long three months. It's been a long three months. I don't months. think we're yeah. in the same area code, though. I'm 416. 416 to the 905. <laughs> the 289 covers the whole fucking area. You That's know what true. Mean? So, yeah, you can get a 289 area code fucking from Niagara Falls to Toronto. So the, That's the generic one when you don't yeah, want I people guess. knowing where you actually live. I guess. I don't know. I have a 289 and it's like I was in Milton. No, I was down here when I got it. But then we, I somebody, somebody I know in Milton had a 289 too. And I was like, how's that even possible? Like I got this. All right, cool. <laughs> I guess the 289 just spans all the 905 and 406 numbers. So fair enough. That's a thing. I don't know. Cell phones. What are you going to do? It doesn't really matter where you are. Winston's here along with Tim. Tim is here, obviously, along with Winston and we got barking dogs going on. Lots yeah. of barking dogs this weekend. Seems to be a theme. Yeah. Only another couple of weeks, but uh, yeah, it was funny. We were talking about area codes. Uh, Alicia's literally driving up here as we speak. And she was asking me like, what's like the, I like Atlanta's like the 404. She was like, what's the like iconic area code that I'm going to want to get a phone number for. And I was like, yeah, you want 416. You don't want, yeah, you don't, yeah. you don't want people thinking I got a 416 number. No problem. Did you? Yeah. Nice. Okay, cool. And I was like, you don't want people thinking you're like one of those fucking suburbanite 905ers. Yeah. What are you, a Hamiltonian? Yeah. Or Markham? Oh, yeah. (laughs) Heaven forfend. I mean, like, I lived in the burbs of Toronto for the last five years, really. Yeah. It's like a lot of, like, even I'll fake it sometimes, be like, no, I'm just from Toronto. Cause, like, (laughs) explaining that you're from one of the suburbs is just like a fucking nightmare. You know what I mean? Yeah. Try explaining that to Koreans, where (laughs) it's like, where are you from in Canada? Oh, yeah, Toronto. And like the the people that I worked with obviously knew the difference because I had Canadians on staff. Like my friend was from Winnipeg. One of them was from Saskatoon. You know, like they're like, oh, you're from St. Catharines, murder capital of Ontario or whatever. And like, yeah, that's that's it for Paul Bernardo and Linda Evangelista. So suck it. <laughs> nice. But yeah, I, I imagine that 416 numbers aren't that difficult to come by these days because there's probably a lot of old folks with home phones that are dying off and freeing up a lot of numbers <laughs> right now. So, uh, <laughs> yeah, but yes, <laughs> not wrong, not wrong. All right, there you go. So we've had a week. Uh, let's get into the news. We're gonna start. We're gonna start with bummer shit right off the top. Yeah. Sadly, Denny O'Neill, writer extraordinaire for DC Comics and Marvel, he did some pretty good, cool Marvel stuff. He wrote an awesome Iron Man story. Passed away at 81 of natural causes this week. Denny O'Neill was responsible for making Batman, Batman. I don't know. Yeah. We could sit here and read all his credits, but like realistically, what he's most known for is making Batman Batman again yeah. in the 70s with Neil Adams. Bringing Batman back to like those darker roots after like the yeah. campy, you know, 60s Batman 66 stuff. And yeah. And then he 
introduced the fucking Al Ghul family and yep. revamped Joker and, and Two-Face into basically the versions that we know today. And like ostensibly his comic book Batman is the character I'm, I'm assuming Tim and I grew up on. Like we all kind of yeah, grew up much. on because mm-hmm. he was writing, writing or editing the Batman family of books from like the mid eighties till like 2000, I think approximately. Yeah, and that was after off, having sure. written the character for like a, yes. a good chunk of the seventies as well. Yeah. Like most of the seventies he wrote, uh, he's like the reason why we got first, uh, year one and dark Knight returns is Denny O'Neill. Like he was the editor who approved all that kind of stuff yeah, back then. Like that was, it watch. was all happened on his watch. We're going to talk about a version of the characters tonight. That's so steeped in Denny O'Neill's era of comic books that, these fuckers probably should have paid him royalties yeah. in terms of like how much stuff they just stole right out of his stuff. Yeah. But even before he did Batman, we would be remiss not to mention his run on Green Lantern, Green Arrow with Neil Adams with yeah. the hard traveling heroes. And that was the run where speedy Roy Harper was addicted to heroin. So like he was the guy, one of the guys that really brought, really started grounding comic books yeah. in the seventies and started having them deal with real world issues rather than like, Every issue is like some fucking, you know, random flashy supervillain kind of thing. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, also, lovely man. I met him a couple times. He looked at my work. I don't know. I'm biased towards him because, like, his take on Batman is the version of the character that lives in my head. So, like, this, his stuff was gospel. Um, obviously, we're going to talk about Mask of the Phantasm tonight, which so much of it is lifted from stories that he wrote or edited. So, mm-hmm. like, his presence is all over this week's episode. So it's kind of sad. One of the titans of the industry, I think is fair to say yeah. in terms of just like impact and stuff like that. So we're going to miss Mr. O'Neill. Godspeed, I guess. Indeed. The other thing, what else can we talk about? I was going to briefly talk about the fact that we're not talking about JK Rowling anymore. Like we're done talking uh, back on her back on her turf shit. Yeah. She's, yeah. she's back on her shit. Every actor that has worked with her at this point has come out and been like, yeah, no, we're done. Like that's over. Yeah. Um, I saw, I saw Ratcliffe and Emma Watson and Eddie Redmayne. Eddie Redmayne. Yeah. All came out the last couple days. Rupert Grint as well. Basically. Yeah. Basically mm-hmm. all the major, all the leads from those movies. Mm-hmm. I even saw people digging out Alan Rickman quotes that were like support everybody, blah, 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 kind of stuff just to stick it to her and like at adding her with Alan Rickman quotes. And like, who's the last person in the world you want to get told you're being a shitty person by? It's fucking Alan Rickman, right? Like from Alan beyond Rickman's. the grave. Yeah. No yeah. Less. So go fuck yourself. <laughs> yeah. Alan Rickman was the man. So like everybody just listened to Alan Rickman. It was between that this week and the, uh, the guy who thought rage against the machine was being so political <laughs> on Twitter. Which is like, get your politics out of my music rage against the machine. Yeah, uh, Tom Morello, Tom Morello and Zach De La Roca. Guys, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. But maybe there's something to what this guy's talking about. I think Rage Against the Machine might be a political band. And this is cyclical. It seems to happen like every two or three years. There's a new batch yeah. of idiot fucking right wing white dude conservatives that are like, I grew up on this music and I am not pleased to find out that you are so leftist commie and like, Jesus <laughs> fucking Christ. And then, like my like, favorite take What, what did it, you fucking think exactly. Killing in the Name of was about? Guys? My, like, my favorite know. takes on it this week are everybody that's being like, what machine did you think they were raging against? The toaster? <laughs> yeah, the dishwasher <laughs> was the first one I saw. But yeah, ex- like just all. Oh man, I love uh, like Twitter. The McDonald's ice cream machine that's always broken. Like is that it? <laughs> <laughs> the intercom his mom yells at him through into the basement is probably what he's actually talking about. Oh, but, uh, 
either way. So like just people are dumb and suck. The other thing, Tim's going to have to help me out on this one because I didn't even read the article. But uh, apparently the guy who's playing Plastic Man, Hartley Sawyer oh, on The Flash was fired. Fuck me. And what it looked like a James Gunny kind of scenario, but like, I don't know what was going on. So it was, but like the tweets were like 10 times fucking worse than James. Gunn. Oh, were they? Yeah. Like it was like jokes about like raping his girlfriend and shit like that. And oh, yeah, Christ. really fucking like unforgivable and not as far back. Like I think it, I think it went back to like maybe six or seven years ago or something like that. I think guns were like 10 years plus at this point. Hasn't Sue Dibney gone through enough? I mean, but really like Jesus, like what a fucking not like, well, to be fair, he got shit canned like immediately. immediately, So like, Yeah. yeah, he's gone. But I, I don't understand how fucking anybody these days hires somebody in like, not maybe not a lead role, but even a supporting role without going back and doing like a thorough fucking social media vetting. Yeah. And how does anyone apply for these jobs without going through a social media cleanse? Like yeah. both of them, they're yeah, that's both even, dumb. That's what I was just going to ask. I'm like, before I even apply for jobs, I go and like lock my Twitter down so people can't see my bullshit. So like, and I'm not even bad on Twitter. I just, you know, yeah. I run my mouth sometimes, but holy shit. And it sucks because don't be dumb. Like physically, he is a great embodiment of that character. But I mean, it's a fucking character whose whole shtick is that his, you know, his entire body is malleable, right? It's the easiest fucking role in the world to recast. Yeah. 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 And they're already like leaning right into a recast on another like lead character. So like they're they're not going to shy away from getting rid of somebody who's problematic at this point. They did. Yeah. They mentioned a little bit more about the Batwoman thing this week and said that they're going to like make like basically what happened to Kate Kane be sort of like the story point or one of the major story points of season two. All I know is that I just hope the actual comics ignore this whole scenario and leave Kate Kane the fuck alone. Cause like, just don't do anything dumb because the TV show went to shit. This is how the Superman wedding like took 10 years to get to because of TV bullshit. So it's true. Yeah. And I don't, I'd really rather Kate Kane just stay in the Cape and cowl in the comics as opposed to like doing some wacky thing where for five years she's different because the TV show thing fucked up. Like, ugh. Yeah. Hey, it worked for Batgirl, right? Yeah. I mean, uh, no. well, Kate Kane doesn't have her own <laughs> title anyways right now. So, oh, does she not have her own book no, right now? She hasn't for a oh, couple, couple of years. Uh, she was like the lead on Detective Comics for a while. I was going to say she was lead on Detective, but I know Batman took that back over because yeah. I, when I started reading Detective again was when she, I mean, it sounds bad, but like when they gave the book back to Batman because whatever reason, yeah. that's when I started picking up Batman again. Speaking so. of which, Detective has been really good lately. I've heard. I, I was going to go grab the. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. I just wrote a really good Two-Face story that leads into the Joker War story that's coming up. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm going to go backlog all that stuff in the next like week or so. Um, maybe we can talk about it next week because I think uh, he's going to be we're going to be <laughs> down a man for a little while while he's figuring out how quarantine and Internet's going to work. So <laughs> fair enough. Maybe you and I can do a comic book episode next week or something like that. So can... moving along. I just like bringing this up because it's dumb. Disneyland is opening in July. <laughs> what's wrong with your people, Tim? Explain to me what's wrong oh, with no. them. And fucking like California is still quite a hot spot, and it's LA that's oh. the fucking you know, Orange County that's the fucking hot spot. So I don't fucking know. I mean, we we're, we still have a vow renewal booked for Disney World at the beginning of September that I have no idea if it's going to happen at this point because like who knows if people are going to be able to travel down there and if it's going to be safe. And so Who's going to want to go to travel down there right now? Especially in like, when did you say it was? September? Yeah, Labor Day weekend. So Oh, that's right. Yeah, it was Labor Day. Yeah, I've, I've got the invitation somewhere in this pile yeah. of fucking 
calamity. But uh, so, especially yeah, it's gonna be all, it's like right in the beginning of election season too. That place is gonna be a fucking shit show. Yeah. That whole country's gonna burn down. We're waiting to hear back from the people that are helping, like the Disney people, right now to see what the story is and what our options are and shit. But uh, I'm Fair. not optimistic. We'll say yeah. So I, don't, I guess that's that's dumb. Also, I, well, there is like two bits of fun news for us to talk about. One, there was a trailer this week that I know Tim's fucking dying to talk about. So yes. Bill and Ted face the music. The trailer came out like yesterday, I think, or the day before. And it was pretty good. Like, I was fine with it. I'm happy. I'm going to go see it. Yeah, I think I think I'm going to like Tim and I, we're going to have to go see it together, buddy. We're going to have to, you know. Yeah, I, I yeah, I really want to. Um, I, yeah, I we're going to have to go get ripped and do it. I really hope that I'm able to see this in fucking theaters because I'm, yeah. I'm pumped for it. It looks like they put a fucking shitload more pr- money into this than they did into the original movie. Yeah, I, sure. was, I was surprised by it. I was like, wow, this doesn't look cheap. Like I, the other movies, like yeah. I love them to death, but they're fucking cheap. Yeah. You know what I mean? And like you could tell they were cheap. This one, I was like, they look like they spent some fucking money on this. Yeah. Like why <laughs> yeah they must have like, put a lot of money into it because they got win butler to be one of the yeah people in the future heaven yeah. thing or whatever yeah like fucking arcade fire cameos there you go but whatever yeah yeah that was i saw that and i was like well that's, i wonder what other cameos are gonna I, I know kid cuties in it and i'm sure it's just like these are guys that like found out it was happening or like I fucking love Bill and Ted. Let me be in your goddamn movie. Hmm. You think they'd like be shouting out the guys that they were like shouting out back then to like bring Mike Patton in just to fucking show up and just be like, hey, Mike Patton's still alive, everybody. You should still be listening to Mike fucking Patton. Because <laughs> all they did was talk about Faith No More during those first two fucking movies. But yeah, I was I was pumped with it. I was I was super happy with it. I mean, they both look old, but that's the fucking point. <laughs> Can we talk about Keanu losing the beard and looking like 20 years older he than he has? And like, I was like, wow, yeah. oh shit, he did age. He has aged under there. That's good. Okay. Yeah, that age is shit. Either that or they just fucking makeup aged him because they were like, we can't put him in this movie looking exactly the way that he fucking did <laughs> in 1989. <laughs> or people are just not going to fucking believe it. So we got to age him up. They CG aged they him reversed, up as opposed to doing they the other thing. They reverse De Niro'd him. Yeah. <laughs> Those are some of De Niro's actual wrinkles on his face. I yeah, don't know. they just superimposed them on. Yeah, they, they still <laughs> have took them off him. They still had De Niro's wrinkles in like the recycling bin from the Irishman. Yeah. So they just like pulled them out and were like, "All right, let's just clone stamp these onto yeah. Keanu Reeves' face. Let's, let's, yeah. let's give Keanu Reeves some jowls that he probably doesn't actually have." Because what yeah. the fuck? Uh, yeah. Yeah. As soon as I saw him without the beard, I was like, "Wow, that's." All right. <laughs> Finally, the Irishman was good for something. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, you mean it wasn't good enough to put you to fucking sleep like it did for the well, rest I of mean, us? Well, I mean, I guess if you're using it as ambient noise, then <laughs> De, Niro, De Niro shouting is definitely what I need to fall asleep every night. It took me three three solid tries to get through that whole movie. Mm-hmm. I never got through it in one sitting, but I, I watched it in like chunks. I of, fucking like, warned but in three, you. I don't know. No, I, I knew it was going to be a slog i just but i was gonna watch it anyway but oh my god it was a slog and a half mm-hmm. last thing we're gonna talk about this week before we move on though is sony finally announced the playstation 5 they actually showed us the deck which is both the deck. looks like yes both the decks the digital and non-digital version which i i need spec songs i want to know because i'm a digital guy so i'm like i don't need to have an optical drive and get an extra terabyte of space for the same money that i'm probably going to take that but at the same time doesn't matter lots of cool games are out paul and i have both watched the, the hour and a half long sequence of trailers they showed <laughs> like highlights included first the biggest one for like our kind of 
thing. They announced the new Spider-Man game that is going to be exclusively starring Miles Morales. Miles like, Morales! We love Miles. Yeah, man. Do you think it's a new game or do you think it's a reskin of the original Spider-Man game? They already came back today and said that it's a, like a whole new game. Okay. Maybe more akin to uh, if you're a video game person, like the way Uncharted Lost Legacy was a whole new game based on the same engine for Uncharted 4. I think it's kind of that kind of story, but I know they've upgraded the engine to run like from what I understand, 60 frames a second and like way faster yeah. than what was capable of doing on the PlayStation 4 and PlayStation 4 Pro. Because that one's a, a like a holiday 2020. Like that's like a five. It's a launch. Four, five it's, months away, it's a launch window. Yeah, uh, yeah. Release sort of thing. And that's... It, it is the one that is going to make this fall like me sitting through the fall without a PlayStation 5 the hardest. Probably <laughs> if I if I can't get one in the fall, because who that first Spider-Man game was a masterpiece of Spider-Man gaming. Or video game period. I'll come over but, and you can laugh at me playing the old Spider-Man game. So that sure, that'll sure. that'll help absolutely to, to dull your pain. Yeah, a little bit. As, I, like, oh, as man, I run that's through right. New York City. Yeah, <laughs> pedestrian Spider-Man. It's like the worst, <laughs> the worst possible Spider-Man C- experience Citizen you can have. Spider-Man. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, either way, uh, Paul, what, did you, what else did you see that was in there that was really good? Because I've got a couple things, but the thing that really got me was Ghostwire Tokyo. It looked really cool. The concept cool. of like the first person like exorcism battling these really fucking creepy J horror things all the way through the streets of Tokyo looked really yeah. cool. Speaking of streets of Tokyo, the stray game where you play as a cat, a stray cat in Tokyo yeah, that was just looked too, yeah. pretty. Yeah. And what else? Oh, Returnal about the woman uh, on that planet that keeps dying yeah, and coming back to life. Yeah. Um, Pragmata cool. looked amazing. Uh, oh my God. Oh, Oddworld. New Oddworld. He's talking about all the weird shit. He's not even talking about the cool mainstream stuff. We're yeah. getting a new Ratchet Hor- and Clank. Horizon. Um, yeah, that's, yeah, that's Horizon. Oh my God. <laughs> well, that's, that's my that, big one. That's is big like one. Spider-Man. Yeah. And, for me, Spider-Man and Horizon Western Front, I think it's called are the two big ones that were announced here. And those are both launch windows, which is, usually means launch year. So like, uh, Hor- no, it's Horizon Forbidden West. Forbidden West. That's it. Yeah. Thank you. But like everything they announced looks like it's either a 2020 or 2021 game. So like this yeah. is a stacked fucking launch year yeah. for a console like this, which is amazing. The only one that wasn't 20, uh, that was 2022 was Pragmata, actually. That yeah. one was like early 2022. They, did, they didn't thought. give Horizon Forbidden West a release date. Well, everybody's estimating that these they're they're saying these are launch window games. So like everybody's estimating they're the first year. I'm hoping anyway, like I would I mean, if they can get all those games out in the first year, that's a that's quite the fucking, you know, they're going to be doing a lot of relaunching and remastering for the first year too, just to get people. I know that they're going to be backwards. Compatibility is going to be a thing for sure. But like incentivizing people like with the the way they are with gta 5 yeah they'll probably be doing that to get people on board so that they're they're people aren't just going to keep their ps4s and we'll actually jump ship but we'll see yeah how backwards compatible we don't know yet uh about how backwards compatible they're gonna be as uh, as of right now like they've microsoft has gone on record being like everything that runs on your xbox one or xbox 360 or like anything that runs on your xbox one will run on xbox series x so that's cool um, that includes all the 360 and Xbox original, like OG Xbox, which is just called the Xbox, I guess. But like, you can't just say that because everything's a fucking Xbox. But <laughs> all of the, like all of their generations of Xboxes are somewhat backwards compatible with the one, and all of that carries forward through the Series X. The PS5, they've said it's going to be backwards compatible with PS4 for sure. 
I've heard rumors about PS3, but I haven't seen anything in particular. But like PS5 and PS4 should be running on the same, like should be able to run each other's or not each other's stuff, but like PS5 should be able to run PS4 as far as I know. And that's what they've said, but they don't know the details of like if it's going to be just everything or there's going to be a specific like backwards compatibility program the way Microsoft is doing it on the X or like on the Xbox now. Mm, yeah. So, okay. I don't know. I hope. I mean, like th- I'm already incentivized to go pick one of these fucking things up just based on that Spider-Man game being like almost a launch date game. So like that's that's pretty crazy having a game that size coming out already. And if Horizon's in the first year, along with that Resident Evil 8, which looks fucking bonkers good too. So I'm on board. Looks good. Excited for next gen. Need to find money, but hey. Yeah, there's a lot of cool looking shit. And it looks like there's both there's that one Life is Strange style game with all those like uh dinosaur looking teenagers. <laughs> yeah, the anime one, the one that had the anime cutscenes. Yeah, it. I'm not sure what that game is, but hey, it's uh it's furries are having a moment right now. So uh <laughs> it was definitely a furry friendly set of trailers because even like the little big planet like Sackboy game that they had opened up with him in a furry like tiger costume. And That's like true. there was just like cutesy fuzzy animals in a lot of the trailers for the more independent kind of games. Yep. Uh, but that they they were showing us between stuff like New Ratchet and Clank. I mean, we talked about Horizon, Resident Evil. What else? Is there? Oh, Hitman 3 they announced. Hitman 3. And that's kind of like a big thing, too. Those games have been quite good uh, this past gen. So hopefully, I mean, just getting an upgrade and rendering and stuff would be nice because that game's never hit target frame rates. So mm-hmm. anyway, big things coming from Sony this year. So that's exciting. It always, it always makes me feel bad like or good when we get to talk nice about Sony in terms of PlayStation stuff because we shit on them in the movies so much because like they just can't make a good movie to save their life. Except for Spider-Verse. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that, but it's like they've got Spider-Verse and that's about it. And I, I'm assuming that's probably why they hit the button on this Miles Morales game so fast. Like Spider-Verse feels like it had a pretty big moment, won an Oscar and all that kind of stuff. So they were obviously like, holy shit, we should get that guy in more stuff because <laughs> people seem to like Miles Morales for some reason. Like it's a big fucking mystery why we all like Miles Morales. But anyway. Yeah. The fact that he's just great and a great character and people like yeah yeah so that's exciting and we'll be probably talking about it more because playstation launches are at least big deals to paul and i so i won't be talking about it a lot more surprise surprise yeah Yeah. we like to nerd out about our new uh our new sony toys so (laughs) there is that that was it for me with news so unless anybody's got anything else it's time for geek of the week you had everything i wanted to say boom (laughs) fucking nailed it first try all right, boys. It's time for Geek of the Week. Geek of the Week. Week. Uh, so this is the segment of the show where we tell each other the nerdiest thing we did this week. And we're going to start with Paul. Um, wow. I didn't think about this at all, did I? <laughs> I know. I know. That's why I did this to you. <laughs> but I did finally bite the bullet. Nintendo had a sale. And oh, there God. were actual games that I wanted on the sale on the Switch. So... Dragon Quest Eleven S, the definitive edition, came out, and I've been playing around with that because it has like a super classic retro 2D mode and 3D mode, so you can switch between them, kind of. And it's just like good old fashioned Dragon Quest RPG deliciousness, and I am very much enjoying it a lot. It's good stuff. I I like it. Yeah, you've been really like on your Switch a lot this week. I've noticed so good. Yeah, 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 yeah. I've been waiting to buy this for a while, but I did. I wanted the Switch version because it is very much like they call it the definitive edition for a reason. It has all the extras on it, and it's the latest release. 
for it. Almost as if you were planning for an extended long flight you, by buying that game. And a two-week quarantine following yeah, that. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, it's like you were going to have a ton of time by yourself to play like some 90-hour JRPG all <laughs> yeah. of a sudden. I don't well, know. If, I'm gonna be, maybe I'll get through Persona 5 and Dragon Quest XI. The, like, the way you, you played some of those games when you actually sat down to play them, I would not be surprised. Well, so. you saw what happened to Final Fantasy XIV, where that became my life for an entire... <laughs> Like two, months. two months yeah so two months. i finished all that content so Jesus, you know i know i know the sound effects from that fucking game almost <laughs> as well as you do i think <laughs> that's now. true every time you're like oh you're raiting again aren't you yeah, yeah are you raiting oh, all right yeah. i'll be a, i guess we'll wait for dinner for another hour while you do that shit then i guess <laughs> yeah that's true cool tim my geek of the week was basically bill and ted the reason i should say that uh the bill and ted trailer came out this past week was because this past week was bill and ted day june 9th 69 69 dudes right yeah so they yeah they had a whole like online event and were releasing stuff throughout the day they released like a snapchat filter and a bunch of other like little digital goodies and stuff like that on top of the trailer that day so yeah that trailer and then i did sit down on that evening and watch both the uh two original bill and ted movies as well just because i think it's probably i don't think i've probably watched them since we did that episode la- sometime last year yeah that was the last time i probably won't watch them again until the movie comes like just as the movie's coming out maybe we'll have to do a day or something yeah, you know yeah, what i mean yeah, get yeah. like real baked <laughs> watch both movies get more baked make alicia drive us to the theater <laughs> uber, uber to the theater uber to the theater yeah obviously we're not gonna get uber to the theater uber back yeah, exactly uh, fucking bring the vape pens in there with us while we're there may as well yeah. make a fucking night of it yeah, so exactly. yeah absolutely. but yeah i mean they're just like they're some of my fucking comfort food movies like that I, yeah. I can damn near recite them from heart and they're definitely in my top like comedies of all time so it was just a nice way to celebrate. And also it was another one of those weird things where like, you know, I'm pretty isolated right now. And so it was nice to feel like I was doing something along with a lot of other Bill and Ted fans that day. Yeah. So fair. feel, you know, feel a little bit of connection to the outside world. That was kind of the, uh, my geek of the week is really just like all this video game stuff that's been going on. So between the PlayStation launch and all the rumors that were going on or about that, the NVIDIA next gen cards have started to like, like rumors of per- started percolating about the 3000 series which is the nerdiest possible thing to obsess over is like next gen video card stuff and the technology involved therein but like yeah i was kind of having the same thing with like the community of playstation people nerding out about this like the launch and all that kind of stuff so that's kind of what i did geek of the week also the like comfort for movies that ties directly into our meat of the episode boys <laughs> because this is one of mine so let's move along then to the meat of the episode meat of the episode uh yeah <laughs> okay if you wanted to i don't it. know i don't know we'll go yeah all right <laughs> did you want to add something there tim i got nothing no i'm i'm good all right cool so we uh we're continuing our batman series because i'm on an uninspired hack and just like doing the same shit over and over again it's so. gonna take you at least through the next few months Oh, yeah, I love it because I don't have to even think about fucking <laughs> topics for episodes anymore. I'm just like, ah, watch this Batman movie, boys, and we'll bullshit about it for an hour. And then we're fucking done. Yeah. Maybe by the time. No, it, by the time we finish this, the new Batman movie will not be done because it's, no, it's no, halted no, no, no. production right now. So, yeah, <laughs> I don't I don't know. I just did it because I wanted I needed something to fill a bunch of time. <laughs> <laughs> 
coming up with topics started getting real hard for a little while there. And I was like, you know what? I I've been talking about doing the Batman thing forever. Let's just do the fucking Batman thing. Yeah. So we're taking kind of a break from doing like live action Batman movies this week, which I think we've deserved because they're bad. They've been kind of they've been kind of tough sits <laughs> so far. Says you. Yeah, says me. Goddamn right. <laughs> I'm hosting this week. So this I'm was your fucking it. idea. And <laughs> I know. And that's but hey, I had points to prove. Also, and I did prove those points that last time. Fuck Batman Returns in his <laughs> stupid ears. But this week we're getting we're getting away from the live action. We're taking a little vacation and going into the Timverse, and we watch Batman: Mask of the Phantasm, the 1993, I want to say, yep. animated movie from Warner Brothers. It's Christmas '93. Came out. It was on Christmas '93. That's right. It came out on Christmas Eve. Uh, none of us probably saw it in theaters. I know I did not for a fact see it in theaters. And if I didn't, I know Paul didn't. <laughs> so. Yeah. This is definitely something that I saw on home video the first time and probably pretty quickly because I was already like I was obsessed with the show when that show started mm-hmm. happening and this happened in the first year of it. So did it have one of those bubble cases? It uh, did. I was actually going to talk about that. I'm like, we had the, the video and it, it came in one of those Disney style clamshells. But instead mm-hmm. of white, it was black, black. because Batman. So <laughs> it was cooler than the stupid Disney ones because, yeah, man, probably not worth as much, though. I don't know. I well, no, probably not, because like fuck those Disney movies. We, I was looking at that, and my sister's got a, I got our original collection at her yeah. house, and I was like, when we packed them up and she moved out, I was like, man, have you priced those? Because like, fuck, those are. I know they're going like big money on eBay. Some of them anyway. So yeah, yeah so Batman: Master of the Phantasm. Just give me your top level, boys. This is one of the best Batman movies, if not the best because it's the most batman of all the batman movies like this is the one movie that we've watched so far like we joke kind of joked that batman 66 was like kind of a trend-setting batman movie but this is the movie that felt most like a batman movie out of all of them so far and when i was thinking about what's coming up which is joel schumacher i'm like oh we're gonna be (laughs) i'm gonna be trying to remember this movie and why I like Batman. Yep. Because this movie. And that's why I did the, the the neutral downshift here into animated Batman before we <laughs> dove into. It was a good choice. That and mess. Palette cleanser. Yeah, yeah because, a little palette cleanse before going we went from, from like. Burton wow, to Schumacher. Is, yeah. Yeah, before we go into fucking loose, wet turd sandwiches. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, out of out from leather bound, juicy fucking turd sandwiches. <laughs> yeah. Which, Oh, Jesus. No, like fucking latex. Yeah, yeah. Well, PVC leather or whatever <laughs> yeah. the fuck that shit is. Yeah. Yeah. So that was my top level. It's just like, wow, this is still good. Uh, yeah. A little shaky on the animation points in some areas. Uh, mm-hmm. Didn't hold up quite so much because it, like, it probably had like a TV episode budget, basically. But like, it's a little still- bit more than that. But I mean, we've also just good. come off watching two extremely high-end animes that are like animated within an inch of their lives so going back to like standard cheapo western animation like definitely felt like a downgrade to me still still okay though even though i know this looks better than the tv show did you know what i mean like i know it did for sure and like i there was there's sequences of just like little minor things of like batman moving around where he looks so fucking good that i'm like oh they really took a lot of time on that. That was a nice money shot for them. Yeah. You know, Spending so. a lot of time animating that cape, which yeah. I appreciate. That. It's that and the explosions at the end. Like like that, they really clearly took their time like nailing those in the most anime way possible. And so. the CG at the beginning of the movie, too, was probably a big chunk of the budget. 
interesting yeah, trivia yeah. when I was flipping around. Apparently, they wanted to do the whole thing in 3D, but that was the only like Jesus. remainder of this like of that style was doing the 3D fly through of Gotham. And I'm like, I, what would that have looked? I guess actually, we kind of know what that would have looked like. Rise of Shinsu and those games that came out for like GameCube were in the animated series oh, yeah, uh, style, yeah, yeah. but like in 3D, and they looked okay-ish, but like kind of it would have been a very big jarring kind of thing to go from the hand the smooth hand animated style of the animated series to like a cg version of it especially a 1993 cg version of it because like pre-toy story yeah 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 yeah. like year before toy story because like but yeah that that sequence is is impressive to this day Mm -hmm. for me yeah this is the I have a lot of love for the Burton Batman movies, but this is the best of the Batman movies we've reviewed so far. Oh, yeah. Because it has far less fuckery that needs to be overlooked in order to enjoy it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and, and I love the tone of the Batman animated series itself. And this features that tone in spades and deepens it in a lot of ways as well. It's way darker than anything they did on the animated series up yeah. to this point, obviously. And it kind of led those shows down a much darker path than they probably would have been able to do if they hadn't done this kind mm-hmm. of thing. Because the, the shows get like the animated series itself is dark and it continues to become more tonally dark as you go through the Timbers series. Like Superman's a little bit as bright and cheery as Superman is. There's way more like fucking dark sides coming down and it's apocalypse time kind of thing. And mm-hmm. the justice league episodes like with like, and they start getting into Cadmus and the real dark stuff in there. Yeah. Even the character design of Scarecrow that when it, they switch the animation style over to yeah. that, new batman animated series yeah, because yeah. It, like the character design becomes even more sinister like overall yeah. like more blacks more like a uh, violent imagery overall it gets well just bit, like look know. at revenge of the joker right yeah. like that like that kind of the end of, which we i guess we could review at the end also because <laughs> that's like an actual standalone i mean it's a directed dvd thing but it's so good that it's worth kind of looking at even if it's just to talk about batman beyond a little bit which we will never really get a chance to do unless we do like a big watch through of everything like for Patreon at some point. So, yeah. So yeah, uh, th- this one, I, I, we do the plot thing every week and I was like, this one's too easy. <laughs> so I'm like, if one of you guys wants to run at the plot, it's going to be the shortest and less, least funny of the bunch, I think, because it's, it's a very straightforward murder mystery, Batman story. Like there's no fucking horse shit to it. So yeah. who wants I, to go for it? Uh, um, I'll do it this time. Yeah, he, uh, oh, you it, haven't done one in a while. Yeah. So we're, in Gotham City, and a bunch of mob bosses keep getting offed, and by some shadowy figure that a lot of people think is Batman, but it's not. A new player is in town, and it is the Phantasm, but no one actually calls them this character. The Phantasm is just, like, what the title is. Anyway... I guess this is the third movie in a row where like somebody is trying to frame Batman for something, huh? That's that's what they always do. It's always turn. <laughs> but this one feels less intentional. You know what I mean? It it's does, like yeah, like the other ones they have the plot to be like, oh, we're gonna fuck Batman over. This one's just like, oh, I'm gonna show up as a vigilante, and if they suspect Batman, <laughs> better for me, I guess. Yeah. Like, yeah. It was to their benefit. It's never like the Phantasm has like a plan. Be like, oh, I'm also doing all killing all these mob bosses, and I'm going to ruin Batman. Like that's yeah, never a thing that comes up yeah. at all. Yeah. It just happens by happenstance, which is better. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, definitely. Because, like, at the same time that this is happening, an old flame of Bruce Wayne's has uh, come back to town. Andrea Beaumont, who has like one of the most forties actress names ever. I love yeah. the style of this movie. Goddamn, so good. <laughs> anyway, so they were old flames ten years ago, and they Bruce actually 
proposed to her and she said yes, but then she gave the ring back once these mob bosses who were in business with her father threatened her father's life and her and they had to run away. But actually they find her father back in the day and kill him off. And so she's come back for revenge. Uh, But we don't find out who she is until the final act. And who should uh, be one of the mob enforcers, but pre-chemical defacement Joker? Maybe who is, Jack Napier. We never maybe, get a name. They never yeah. really uh, specify. Which is actually, you know what? If they're going to do it this way, yeah, better better than any any way they've done it up to this point. Absolutely, one hundred percent. Way more ambiguous than what we got in eighteen nineteen eighty nine. So yeah, because yeah, it was a sinister holy shit moment that I remember the first time watching this movie back when I was a kid. I was like, oh my god, it was the Joker, and then they had put the little smile on his on that picture. Anyway, and so the final act is Andrea versus the Joker in a uh, Disneyland well, the, Disney World the, style. Uh, we gotta we gotta remember like the mobsters do go back and hire the Joker because they think it's Batman that's yeah. coming after them. They hire him in a very dark and a sequence that may as well have been lifted out of a Nolan movie. They hire the Joker to kill the Batman. And the and the Joker ends up killing them or oh. one of them. <laughs> well the last of them, really, yeah. 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 Kills Abe Pagoda uh, there. Abe Pagoda yeah. and the what's the I can't remember his name. Arthur something? Is it Archie? Oh yeah, Archie? yeah, yeah. The Archie, Archie, the, uh, the the DA, the not Harvey Dent DA, <laughs> the not Harvey Dent DA, <laughs> the one that you're supposed to think for most of the movie is the Phantasm. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So there's a big showdown. Andrea disappears with the Joker, and Batman gets washed away, having failed to save her and be with her again. And uh, it ends on kind of a super down note. But the best no. Batman stories yeah. always. <laughs> And it, on a super down note, like a Batman yeah. love story that ends on a down note, you yeah. don't fucking say. Don't no say. kidding, right? <laughs> Batman, Batman is at his best when a pirate victory is kind of what he gets. You know what I mean? And that's why the Dark Knight works so well because, like, he loses that movie too, right? Like, he never doesn't really come out on top. The Joker kind of wins, and I guess, and given the reaction that we're going to talk about, because that fucking laugh is the most horrific fucking Mark Hamill performance almost in history, because he realizes he's won. And that's why he's laughing so goddamn hard Mm -hmm. because he's like, Batman's fucked. (laughs) And that's the end. And it's yeah. So, yeah, that was the plot. You know what I mean? So much more straightforward than like whatever we did in 89 or especially what (laughs) happened in Returns. Like, what was that? That that took us half an episode to get through. That took us. This just took us three minutes. And like, that was it. So obviously we quite enjoyed this. But like, let's start with uh, let's start with what did you like about this movie? So I guess who wants to go first? Uh, Tim, you go ahead, because I did the summary. Sure. I mean, let's see. I'll, I'll start off by saying this era of DC animation as a whole had such astounding, like outstanding voice acting for sure. Mm-hmm. And, like this including i mean this is michael conroy he is the voice that kevin kevin conroy kevin, sorry fucking god damn it kevin conroy if you're human this is the fucking like voice of batman that you hear in your head <laughs> when you're reading a comic book or or anything involving batman that's in my notes like 16 times <laughs> yeah, right. every time i i'm like let's talk about mark kevin conroy isn't this just the voice you hear in your head when you read batman what else do you need to say about how good he is as batman yeah. if that's the reality that like probably 75 percent of our listenership has and going off of coming to this off of michael keaton like he's so such a more believable 
uh, Bruce Wayne Bruce. in particular than fucking Keaton is for sure. Cause he's so much more emotive and so much more sympathetic as Bruce Wayne than Keaton gives you at all. And I love the turn in the voice. Like it's so like, it still sounds like the same voice, but you can almost kind of be like, Oh, that almost sounds like a different person when he starts to, cause his diction changes also when he's Batman, he, yeah. he's terser. He's not talking in complete sentences. It's a little bit more growly, but not like Christian Bale growly. And this in particular is such a Bruce centric story too, that you get a lot more of him as Bruce, which I, which is nice to see as well. And on top of that, I mean, I love that they found a way to work Hamill's Joker into this without making it the focal point of the story. And it doesn't feel forced at all. It's just like, this is a force to be reckoned with in Gotham. And he's so like, my favorite stories involving the Joker are where he is so entwined with the spirit of the city. And this yeah. is definitely one of those fucking stories. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, absolutely. like, his, like the Joker story is woven through every evil act in Gotham city. Yeah. Kind of thing. Yeah. So that's, that's one of the things It's mm-hmm. just the voice acting. Dana Delaney is fucking great in it. Uh, Stacey Keach is super good in yeah. it. Yeah. Just yeah, and even all like all, the, all the, 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 the run of the mill guys that they come in to do like the, the mob voices are all pitch perfect. And yeah. like for a Batman story and stuff, like everything just works so nicely as a package in terms of the voice acting and the art and stuff. So, so yeah. I, I didn't look this up. So did you guys hear the voice actress for the Asian woman that was hitting on Bruce when like he has the uh, multiracial gangbangs? It's a uh, moment. Um, that's was that her? Arlene like, Sorkin. Yeah, it's Arlene Sorkin. Okay, that's what I thought. I was like, oh, yeah. God. The, I, the, she, she just had to... A New York accent? Yeah. That, that, the accent? Mr. J. Mr. I, J. I thought yeah. it was almost... Oh, yeah, I can see that. Yeah. yeah. I, I, as soon as I heard it, it was like, was that was that Harley Quinn? But yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, While we're so talking about that Asian girl, like, I could have done without the, like, super stereotypical almond-eyed Asian girl. Okay, th- was that a, an animation error or was that on <laughs> purpose? The black eyes were an animation hey. error because like, it looks really bad. No way. <laughs> Like you, if you look at this fucking, if you look at the credits, this is still a fucking anime. Basically, yeah. every animator on this movie is Asian for sure. I animated this, all this stuff is animated in Korea. Yeah. Like that was the whole show was done in Korea. Like even like the production, like the TV show was done in Korea. This was yeah. just done by the same studios, just with a higher budget. So they spent yeah. a little bit more money on it, but it's still the same studios doing the art and stuff. So yeah, it is. It's all animated by. So it's Asian producers. animators that are doing yeah. <laughs> this. So yeah, I feel like in that case, it has to be in- intentional. Yeah. Yeah. What else was great about this movie? Um, the fact that it was a Humphrey Bogart movie made me really happy. This was <laughs> yeah. a very 40s oh, yeah. style Maltese Falcon Casablanca esque thing, even to the point where Andrea Beaumont is basically like Bridget O'Shaughnessy or like Ingrid Bergman or something like that. And she felt like she one of those... that names that names like a Catherine Hepburny kind of name too. You know what I mean? Yeah, That's yeah, like, yeah. Veronica like... Lake or oh, something yeah, like that. Exactly. And yeah. really has that old Hollywood glamour. And mm-hmm. even the animation in the daytime parts where she's around with like the scarves and the the classic cars, which I know is like a, a hallmark of this series and had always been but this was like to the nth degree and i thought it worked really well for the storyline because it is a murder mystery and it was perfect i just yeah. loved it the tone was so right what other things interesting about like the it being a murder mystery is that batman actually does detective work 
in this movie. Oh, yeah. Like <laughs> kind of real detective work, not just like jamming shit or like <laughs> doing into a slot in a computer or going shopping with Alfred or whatever. <laughs> like he actually goes and like sneaks around as Batman and steals shit and breaks into places and like does follows Batman-y. leads like yeah. a detective corporations. And there's a scene where he just is literally standing, sitting on a rooftop across the street from somebody observing what's like just watching them uh stalking his ex-girlfriend <laughs> he's, i mean at that point he's stalking his ex-girlfriend but it's still batman shit like it's still something that like batman actually does where he like and it just so happens that he was watching the murderer at the time so hey, it's all you good. know he, he lucked into just happen. yeah exactly right like he lucked into the murder at that point but like i mean it's still batman shit to have him like they talk about it in the comics like some of his family and stuff are like how do you just sit here for fucking hours like that like it's a point of like <laughs> yeah they hang a lampshade on it yeah that he, he'll he just sit there and stare at shit for like hours without moving and they're like what how do you like do a, that like a cop on a stakeout yeah, yeah or even more so he's almost like a gargoyle watching them half the time so not like realistically too he's getting fucking rained on in this movie so. yeah perched <laughs> on a gargoyle usually yeah. or something like yeah. that yeah <laughs> With his buddy Gargoyle. It's like, it's the only thing they don't do in Batman. They do in Spidey. Like Spidey's got the, when he's up on the rooftops, he has nicknames for all the Gargoyles in New York. He's got one that's Bruce. And it's like, that's who he monologues to sometimes. It's just this fucking Gargoyle. I'm like, that's, Batman doesn't do that. It's Spider-Man shit. But anyway, (laughs) what else did we like? I mean, I'm very much with Paul on the, uh, the visual style. Like I fucking love the visual style of the animated series. And I mean, they, I feel I, it's been a long time since I've watched the animated series, to be honest, but I feel like this takes it a step further in terms of quality and, and sort of stylistic touches than the uh, than the series did in some ways. The uh, the quality, obviously, like the animation quality stepped up from what they usually get on the TV show. Yeah. Um, I, if you go and look at the first season and a half, like the first, especially the first season leading into this movie, they really leaned into that timeless 40s kind of style for the production design i guess you would call it yeah and that goes away slowly but surely as the series progresses and then flips into the superman like we're gonna do this modern more modern like high-tech stuff in like justice league and stuff that kind of goes away yeah but like in the first two years of this plus this movie it's like art deco and oh yeah like 40s style suits and stuff like that and like the women are all dressed to the nines all the time and like the cars are classic looking cars and the computers like they but they have computers but they're all like command line green like text it's this amazing like i love retro futurism and this is just retro futurism to a fucking t yeah Um, you know it's it's that like tomorrowland feel that you get at disney world where they realized or disneyland or disney world where at one point they realized there's no way we're going to be able to keep this world fresh because it's constantly going to outdate itself. So we have to just make it this retro futurist idea where it's like the view of the future from the fifties and sixties kind of thing. Yeah. And that's very much what we get here. And I love that aesthetic. And I love the way that they use their environments in this movie. Like the setting, especially that final scene in the retro futuristic the world's fair and it's like decaying and the optimism has been drained directly from the all of this because gotham has turned into something else post martha and thomas wayne murder and Mm -hmm. stuff like that when they go there it's post murder but it's more i I feel like the the park itself is a little bit more symbolic of andrea and bruce's relationship kind of thing where like when they go there it's all bright and shiny and they're excited about their future on top of the future yeah and then when they go back to it they don't have a future together and their individual futures are a little bleak 
<laughs> to, to say the least. Yeah. But I also feel like I, I love the imagery of Batman and Joker fighting kaiju style in that, like, in that, uh, you know, that mini Gotham. Cause that you know, like basically, yeah, it. basically while the future Gotham is destroyed in their fight, like there's a lot of cool, cool symbolism and, and, you know, it, to, to be had in there as well. There might actually be like, that might actually be foreshadowing for like some of the destruction that happens and maybe it's unintentional foreshadowing, but like when uh, he starts to destroy the goth, like Neo Gotham in uh, return of the Joker, mm-hmm. it has that kind of like, he's using the space satellite to just like wreak devastation on the city. And it is kind of weirdly mirrored by this little sequence where Batman and Joker, who are these two Titans in the city, right? Like these two gods in the city that, yeah. are always just kind of at odds with each other. Yeah. Basically taking on godlike proportions and fighting just on top of a representation of the the city they have been fighting over at this point probably for a decade and will continue to as we know several decades like into the future. Like, yeah. It's yeah. all this cool Batman bullshit. This is what you get when you hire guys who can write like Paul Dini. <laughs> yeah to do these movies and just let them fucking write it. Yeah. <laughs> All this shit to talk about that's cool and ties into the characters and stuff. Like, wow. And the character is the the main thing here because during that whole fight, Joker's still funny. Like, he's oh, still hilarious. He's good in this one, too. Yeah. yeah. Like, the way that he rides the train, like a skateboard, like a surfboard almost, and, like, the um, his relationship with uh, Hazel, uh, the, <laughs> the robot housewife. The robot. <laughs> and fucking, like... Mark Hamill, as sinister as he is, like, and he's scary sinister in this movie, uh, still makes me chuckle on the regular. Like him, like <laughs> beating the shit out of Andrea when she t- gets unmasked with the baloney is just <laughs> pure. Like, can we just shut up? Paul's Paul's name this week is Baloney Beatdown in our Zencaster <laughs> yeah. chat because that was the point when we were watching the movie where Paul just broke down laughing was when she really. when he bats her with the fucking baloney. We both were like. <laughs> Uh, I love when they break Looney Tunes gags into these fucking movies. For <laughs> yeah. no, just because they have the Joker, they can get away with it. Like they can do yeah. those like Bugs Bunny bits and stuff. Yeah. Well, and all that, all that World Fair stuff too. Like that, very much pinged like the Disney Parks historian, like nerd in me kind of thing as well. And there's definitely a lot of camp that comes out of that too. And, mm-hmm. and while we're talking about writing as well, uh, the so the other writers on this besides Paul Dini, one of them being uh, Marty Pasco who is a Canadian comic book writer yeah. who just passed away a little over a month ago as well. Oh, really? I didn't yeah. well, see that. That's no, that one didn't really make the news. I was just looking at, look, sort of clicking through the Wikipedia article right now, and he died May 10th. Oh, that's sad. Uh, at 65. Jesus. So, that's not old. Yeah. And then uh, Alan Burnett uh, was another yeah. who is a, like, just legendary uh, animation writer. Well, he did, like, Alan Burnett was, like, yeah, he was, like, this was the series that he was, like, known for, too, was the anime, like, the Batman animated series. This is where he, like, really became, like, and he the still guy does. to go to. Yeah. yeah, he still produces DC animated yeah. movies and wrote a ton of them, too. Why would you not? Like, look how good he is doing them, you yeah. know what I mean? Like, he was yeah. kind of the, he was one of those behind the scenes, like, everybody talks about Bruce Timm and Paul Dini, especially on, in the Batman animated series, but, like, Bruce Timm gets a lot of credit for the whole franchise, I guess you would call it, of the DC animated like pre well, he's, all he's these responsible for the aesthetic, right? Yeah. Like the, the, the aesthetic and the visual side of things is very much Paul Dini. Yeah. Well, no, or, uh, uh, very Tim. much Bruce Tim. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. But you know, Alan Burnett was like, he was on that show and he wrote a lot for that show. And he was actually, he wrote some of the best episodes of it. And obviously he co-wrote this. He co-wrote, uh, well, actually it looks like he wrote and produced uh Batman return of the Joker, like Batman beyond. 
Yeah, he did a bunch of Batman Beyond as well, yeah. and he did a bunch of that Superman series. He fucking yeah, he wrote forty three episodes and of that uh, the Superman animated yeah. series, and yeah, Static Shock. And and when you go and look at his credits on his Wikipedia, he was involved with all of the DC animated movies so far, and the ones that he writes or are, are usually the good ones, basically. So. Yeah. Yeah, Alan Burnett's pretty fucking awesome, too. Oh, yeah, man. They, 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 this is one of those, like, all-star fucking casts of, like, writers and stuff. Like, these guys have become legendary because of this show. Also, like, these are guys that we talk about in this kind of nerd circle because this show happened, right? Like, Batman the Animated Series was where we got, we found out about Paul Dini. And we found out about Bruce Tim And, like, all those, all these guys were, I didn't know who Kevin Conroy was before I heard of Batman, like, the animated series. Or heard him voice. Like, I just assumed they actually got Batman to do the voice because that's fucking all I hear now is that guy's voice. So yeah. I did not look into Alan Burnett's like Disney afternoon uh, yeah. history too. Like that's like yeah, Tailspin, Chippendale, yeah. Adventures of the Gummy Bears, Freakazoid. Oh, that's WB. But like he did uh, some episodes of Freakazoid too. That's great. He anyway. wrote the, the first uh, feature he wrote was the DuckTales movie, which is yeah. fucking amazing. Like mm-hmm. I remember watching that shit just over and over as a kid yeah 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 he's uh he's worked for warner brothers or uh, like disney in animation his whole life and good for him because yeah product's been pretty good so overall so there you go yeah yeah is there anything else you guys want to bring up i'm trying to look at my notes again <laughs> that that we liked about this there's a lot to there's a lot because there's like <laughs> um the ch- i really like the chase scenes like when batman gets chased by the police i'm always like a fan of that concept as long as it's done well. Yeah, and this is like a big shout out to year one too. Like this feel like that sequence is right out of uh, oh. the Frank Miller and he yeah. gets shit kicked through yeah. his police chase this time. And like when uh, Andrea saves him at the last minute and stuff, just uh, great. Yeah, that's something too because like I mean, obviously she knew where he was. She was she was just fighting him as the phantasm. That's why. <laughs> yeah, obviously. But like that's the kind of stuff that like they pulled from the comics, right? Like they pull a lot of stuff pretty liberally from the comics for this, like for the animated series and this Seriously. movie in particular. But like this is this is some straight up Denny O'Neill shit. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Batman versus the cops. It's a darker Batman situation where he's not like deputized like we saw in 1966 where he just strolls into the police commissioner's office and shit doing pr that was one of the points that like what i pointed out when paul and i were watching the movie together was like gordon and the archie are having an argument about like we got to get the batman he's killing these fucking people and stuff like that and gordon's like i don't believe it like it's not batman blah 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 blah. and like bruce is just outside as batman like hanging out just <laughs> listening because yeah. that's what he does right like he's like well there's probably a situation i should probably go like talk to gordon and he just happens to get there at the right time where he hears this other shit and he's like well now i'm fucked and i gotta get away from the cops too so <laughs> that's awesome but it feels like batman so much more so than anything we've watched so <laughs> yeah. far that's what you i know. wanted to bring up as one of my likes is that this movie has the only so far best Bruce Wayne character moment where he has been in a relationship with an with Andrea for months now or whatever and he goes to his parents grave and he's like I'm sorry I can't do this anymore because I didn't yeah. figure I'd ever be happy again and it's such a like honest true moment Kevin Conroy sells the shit out of it it is so well done yes is it is it melodramatic yes but is it it's comic books like it's, it's Batman earned. it's supposed to be melodramatic. it's supposed to be 40s yeah. too it's supposed yeah. to it's very much in the vein of like that 40s overacting kind of thing like that old Hollywood acting and it was pitch perfect I loved it and I'll call out Denny O'Neill again here too because he was the one that very much brought Bruce 
back to that mm-hmm. obsessive compulsive like i have a mission like, to you know fucking wage this war on crime kind of thing and this is very much that side of bruce at war with the like but can i have a real fucking life as well you know can i experience happiness while still being true to this promise that i've made to my parents career and kids can she have it all yeah <laughs> <laughs> Batman, working woman <laughs> and mark just going back to what you're saying in terms of them drawing liberally from the comics the phantasm herself is yeah sort of composite character that is mostly drawn on the reaper character which is from Batman year two year two yeah yeah so yeah i mean it's the character design at least is almost identical yeah, yeah. Right down to that, like that gauntlet with the fucking like scythe, scythe like yeah, the blade. Can I maybe suggest also that this is a precursor and maybe slightly better executed version of the Long Halloween as well, with like the the mob people getting killed off one by one with the mystery of who done it, and this like in some ways this was done better than the Long. I'm not like a huge Long Halloween anti. I like the Long Halloween quite a lot actually. Maybe uh, we'll review that. That's what we'll do, Tim. We'll read Long Halloween <laughs> next week. I still haven't read. I have single issues of it, of it but I oh think my they're in my God. parents' basement. You've no, never read Long they're Halloween. They're in storage right now. No, I've had it for years, and it's been. It, oh, it's, it's pretty good even though like the fake out is like not great it's pretty, yeah it's pretty obvious yeah yeah well, and the- <laughs> it's jeff Loeb. I <laughs> that's the other thing is is mark and i when we reviewed the hush story which is another iconic uh batman story we tore it a fucking new one for having like a super obvious foreshadowing of the quote-unquote twist ending like the villain's identity yeah. whereas this is a much better idea like a much better way to treat that yeah you know i i remember originally watching this i was i was pro- you know damn near like nine or ten yeah yeah the, well and, and i was fucking convinced that archie was the yeah oh yeah, uh, yeah, yeah was the phantasm like i had fucking like threw me for a loop when i was like oh my god it's andrea that's crazy kind of thing like that this is such a better way to do that bait and switch and it's so much more suspenseful than what they did in hush in yeah. the comic book version of Hush, let's not even fucking talk about the, <laughs> the animated one, the animated yeah. movie version of Hush. I, I don't, this, it, it just rolls back around to again. If you don't have Jeff Loeb write stuff, and you get guys like I don't know Alan Burnett and Paul Dini to write it, <laughs> maybe it'll come out better. I don't know. I'm doing. Maybe I'm doing the exaggerated. Like I don't know. Visual kind bits. Of like yeah. visual bits. Like yeah, I mean, I like Hush because Jim Lee drew the shit out of it. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and Long Halloween is great because it's Tim oh, Sale who Tim Sale. does a great job with the the art on that book. But the story is like it's less good. Mask of the Phantasm. It actually. is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's still okay. But Jeff Loeb just isn't very talented. I'm sorry. Well, I know that's not. I mean, he's also just not Paul Dini. You know, well, he just I, he just seems to attract really good artists, I suppose. Which is well, he draws to their which strengths, is good, which yeah. is which is good. You know, what I mean? like to, he writes to their yeah, strengths. writes yeah. to their strengths. I guess I should yeah. say, yeah, you're right. So yeah, absolutely. But uh, yeah. I don't know. And that yeah, that's very much what he did in Hush and what he did in Long Halloween. We're tangenting, but that's what yeah, we do. A little bit. <laughs> yeah, it is a little bit. What else? The animation I'm torn on. Uh, in some ways, it's better than what we get these days in the DC animated movies because it has more style and more panache. Uh-huh. 
but it's also i think paul already sort of alluded to it is a little bit choppy Mm. yeah i feel like there's fewer frames than what we get these days or potentially they just use like digital fill-ins to smooth things in between these days yeah Yeah, and and that back then they didn't have that and so they weren't able to do it so yeah that's (sighs) the choppy animation at sometimes made a bit of the action kind of like slow and clunky for me compared to what i'd like to see in a you know really like live and like very fluid kind of batman kind of thing mm-hmm. yeah but the only note i had was that like it hasn't aged 100 percent well and i i mean i kind of couched part of that on it having we just watched those two like ridiculously well animated anime movies that yeah like we're like you're not going to compare this to those at this point you know what i mean like no. there's like they spent so much money on those movies that like you'd probably put one of the high-end disney movies on and still be like man that looks like shit compared to like <laughs> like paprika is a beautiful fucking <laughs> like animation piece yeah um, regardless of how you feel about the story like animated it's like <laughs> oh yeah yeah technically ridiculous and so. akira came out what 16 years before that and holds up still yeah. like yeah, yeah. Also, but there's also like a massive budget difference too i think they probably spent like 40 million dollars on akira yeah. and like or whatever the equivalent was at the time versus that was probably a 10 million dollar project for this tops just six to make million it. apparently six, there you go yeah. yeah yeah just and that's basically just to convert it from like a three-part animated episode into a, a, something they could put on the screens for a week yeah. and make a couple million dollars even though they didn't because they didn't advertise the fucking thing so so i guess the distinction i can make is that the animation on this is a like has some weak spots but the art itself is yeah the style so yeah. strong yeah uh and like that that's one of those things that's always held up about the animated series is that like stylistically because of the way it's drawn and stuff, like even if it is a little like hit or miss here and there, it still holds together because first of all, the writing's excellent. And then also the art style, even if the animation itself is not great, the art style is so cohesive with everything else that you're just like, ah, fuck it, whatever is all great. Yeah. So, and we have that that with video games too, right? Where yeah. we, we go back to like pixel art or well animated games from the past because like even from the Super Nintendo era and they hold up better than a lot of the clunky Nintendo 64 stuff because yeah. like they were, they had a really strong aesthetic Base. that wasn't yeah. just like, we're trying yeah. to look realistic, but we're failing because it's Nintendo 64. To the point where we're now seeing a renaissance where people are wanting to redo those games with better graphics, but keeping those same aesthetics. Yeah, yeah just making it a little aesthetic. smooth out uh, yeah. some of the animation. 4K also kind of helps, you know. Yeah, sure. so there's that. <laughs> yeah, especially when like like some of those old screen, those game screens, like if you like the resolution of an NES screen was like 250 pixels across or something like yeah. that, which is blown up bonkers. onto like a 50 60 inch tv yeah and like those <laughs> tvs run at like 38 40 by 2160 you know what i mean like that's yeah. like the, like what you're actually rendering is just tiny little postage stamp compared to like even yeah. a 1080p screen so like yikes once you blow it out whereas it's not now gonna... the pixels are the size of a postage stamp on a modern yeah. size tv <laughs> yeah exactly right so i don't know what what else can we talk about before we like move on to like if we have any gripes i i want to sh- uh, we, we need to talk about the joker a little bit like in particular because we talked about that they didn't first of all fucking mash him into this at the beginning it's not a joker story necessarily he's an integral part to the story but like it's not like all of a sudden the joker shows up and the whole fucking movie is just about the joker it just happens to be involved with the story and he's kind of involved from the beginning which i like like they tie even his origin into it yeah which you don't find out until later yeah Yeah. done, done well yeah. yeah. And when he shows up blowing up those animatronics at the World's Fair, you're like, 
there's a serious like oh shit here he is and the way that it ties together is really exceptionally done well i even like because like when they bring him in and like the that mobster goes to hire him that whole sequence like he's terrified even just walking in because he has no idea because the joker's the devil right like when you're a regular citizen of gotham you're basically going in to make a deal with the demon so like you'd be terrified just walking in because you don't know if he's going to be like they're doing three jokers right now right and you don't know which joker you're necessarily going to get are you going to get the one who's going to play along or you're going to get the one who's going to fucking shoot you between the eyes just because you interrupted his fuck session with his weird robot girlfriend like (laughs) you don't know (laughs) you don't know (laughs) and that goes back to denny o'neill again because he's the one that made made the joker back into this homicidal maniac threat like just total force of fucking chaos to the point where anytime you see him show up in any story post say like 1980 it immediately ratchets up the fucking tension to like 12. Yeah. Yeah. And it, which is exactly what happened here. Absolutely. Yeah, and, that, that's, and that's this Joker too, right? Like whenever, and like it, it bleeds through the whole series. It bleeds through all the other series to the point where in the like, justice league, when he shows up, everybody's like, I don't want to work. Like the villains don't want to work with him. Cause they're fucking scared of him. Cause they don't know. Yeah. yeah. He's just so chaotic that you have yeah. no idea what's going to happen. He could be totally reasonable and, you know, could catch him on a good day. He could just be a fucking, you know, a fucking maniac and just slaughter everybody, <laughs> including the people that work for him. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. well, especially the people who work for him. I mean, want to talk about the least reliable employer in Gotham? Hot damn. Yeah. I was reading. I can't try to remember. I think I was. We were just reading, or I was just reading the Tom King run. And there's a there's a part in the Joker Riddler War, or the joke of whatever the War of Joker yeah, Riddles yeah. was, or whatever, where like two of Mister Freeze's men get cornered by Joker. And they're like, they, they are forced to go along with him. And they're like, fuck, I don't want to do this. Like, yeah. at least Freeze isn't going to kill us on a whim. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> you know when Freeze is going to kill you. This this guy's fucking nuts. Yeah, like, nobody wants that. to work for the Joker. Like, nobody wants to work yeah. for the Joker. And that, I think, is a palpable feeling when Bruce realizes that Andrea is going to try to kill the Joker, knowing what a fucking bad like, idea a, that is what a <laughs> tragic mistake yeah. that's going to be one way or another if even if she did get one up on the joker which how do you do that basically it's going to be at best like a double ko <laughs> like yeah. well and that's the thing like if you kill the joker the joker wins you know what i mean like and it, that's the, the the end of this is like when he thinks he's gonna die it's the funniest fucking joke in the world to him right like he thinks he's won because he's got somebody who's gonna finally kill him and he loses it. And it's like that laugh. What, they, that, what I liked, I went and looked this up and like there's there's stuff that Mark Hamill said. This is where he finally dialed in and understood how to do the Joker properly. And like, holy shit, does it sound like he finally like he snapped in because that last laugh haunts me to this day because he's yeah. like, I'm having a good time. I'm going to die. We're all going to die. And I'm so happy about it. This is the funniest fucking gag I've ever heard. And it's like this horrible, chaotic laughter. Who boy. Mm-hmm. she'll stick with you shit will stick with you definitely mm-hmm. uh i also want to shout out th- this movie actually has a really solid soundtrack for a fucking animated batman movie as yeah. well sure yeah it's not it's maybe not quite as memorable as the elfman scores but it's exactly what this movie needed and it definitely has some influence from the elfman uh scores as well in there uh you know it's very horn heavy that kind of thing yeah and on top of that really strong sound design and editing you know, much stronger than what I would normally expect from a an animated comic book movie, for sure. 
Yeah. What else do we want to talk about before we move along? Oh, Snarky Alfred is best Alfred. <laughs> this is the best I Alfred. I your bottom. Yeah, like all the all the snarky shit. I'm like, this is this is why I always want Alfred to be a, a saucy prick is because of this show. Because this Alfred has always got some little jibe to throw at Bruce or whoever he's interacting with, and it's always the best. Yeah. So snarky Alfred for the fucking win. I do like this Alfred, although I and I like the snarky Alfred. My favorite Alfred moment in this movie though was uh, sort of the year zero moment when Bruce puts oh, the cowl puts on the cowl for on. the first time, like that iconic animated series cowl with like the white slit eyes and yeah. like, and it mostly shows you everything you need to see by Alfred's reaction. Like Alfred is visibly taken aback at like, Holy shit. That is very imposing. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's all, like, I think a lot of like when they write it in the comics, they do, they've done similar scenes and it's always like, he's shocked because it doesn't even look like the same man anymore. Like he's like, that right. doesn't, that's not Bruce. I don't recognize Bruce when he's in the cowl. Like he looks, he's Batman then I guess, or something like that. And that's kind of part of what's supposed to be training through that yeah. bit, which I mean, that's great. That tracks along with, you know, the, the different vocal timber, the vo- yeah. different sort of the different physical form that he takes as well yeah. you know uh, sort of stance and everything yeah. too and yeah. well you see that a lot in this movie too because there's so much bruce you see like the bruce kind of just standing around casually he almost looks a little frumpy like yeah. he's kind of slouched a little bit more and then when you see him as batman he's like boom shoulders back looks like a fucking block of wood t you know what i mean like yeah. obviously big cape all that shit so like he's yeah. terrifying when he's got the keeping yeah. cow and stuff on so and i loved like overall i i really liked the the interesting like the year batman year zero kind or zero yeah. year whatever you want to call it kind of take on things yeah it was a cool view back into the motivations of this particular batman because from what i recall this animated series did not do an origin story in the first episode or anything no uh the first episode's uh on leather wings which is the bat man yeah, batman episode. Batman. yeah so that that's right. the first actual like i think it was the first aired and it may have been one of the first produced also Um, yeah so i mean i like i like it when comic book stories do this kind of thing where they're like here's the character we're just presenting him to you as is and then if you're lucky we'll fucking go back later and fill in some of the blanks for you and give you an idea of why he is the way he is and and some of the motivations i just don't understand why we we can't just do this in the movies like that's kind of what i'm hoping for with this next one where or that's kind of what i was hoping for and that's what we were supposed to get with affleck too where like he's a lived in yeah, Batman, and like yeah. we're not gonna have to go back, but like even in the first movies, fucking in they do the origin in the goddamn credits, which we yeah. will talk about in a couple of weeks. But anyway, <laughs> before we move on to whatever little gripes we had, is there anything else you guys want to bring up? I liked again going back to the Year Zero stuff, the or getting to see the origin of this Batmobile, basically. Yeah, that was I like that as a shout out. World's Fair. Cool. Yeah, it was a yeah. nice little touch. And uh, also the Easter eggs for Denny O'Neill and Neil Adams in particular, yep. both being major Batman creators. They're referenced in a couple of uh, company names when Batman is doing his actual fucking detective work. Yeah, and that's the last thing I want to shout out about this is that like Batman is just fucking does Batman shit in this and like he doesn't kill anybody. He is, you know, scow- <laughs> he doesn't, yeah, he doesn't fucking massacre a bunch of dudes and just shrug <laughs> like, it off. <laughs> I mean, we're going to see more of that coming up and like and then even more in the Nolan movies cuz he fucking murders people in those too, uh-huh. but like yeah, they, like this Batman he's not killing anybody. He's doing detective work, you know, yeah. like it's, and Bruce is Brucey, like he, the yeah, the whole he's playboy the billionaire. He's playing the yeah, all that the field. stuff. 
Yeah. Like this is again, this is the best Batman portrayal and Bruce Wayne portrayal that we will probably see. Because like, I still I like this Bruce Wayne better than Christian Bale Bruce Wayne by a long shot. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So all right. So let's uh I mean, what else did I have in here? Yeah, Batman feels like Batman. Mark Hamill's the greatest fucking joker ever. Uh <laughs> that's about all I had mm-hmm. with it. So do, do you guys have any gripes? uh pacing is a little weird uh yeah, yeah I that was the thing i had yeah yeah because i it feels stretched yeah it feels stretched but it also feels kind of breathless at the same time yeah. like there's all it like it moves from plot point to plot point pretty quickly and probably because of budgetary constraints they had to like get through the story that they wanted to tell within yeah. a, 90 a, time, minute. a 90 minute time constraint which i get they did they pulled it off Overall, like I'm not, it's not, it's so to the detriment of the film that it is bad. But I would have liked a little bit more, like Jim Gordon would have been, at least a little bit more of him would have been nice. Yeah. A little bit more. I like that you see Bullock as a beat cop at the very least. Yeah. You know, yeah. Like they have that little tie back. To they don't the, even, they don't even reference it. They just show him. Yeah. Yeah. So like, I thought that was, I thought that's really cool that they did that. And his yeah. partner who was two days away from retirement and died in that car crash maybe i don't know was, <laughs> fucking, like, fucking murtog yeah yeah <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely i'm getting too old for this shit yeah <laughs> um, yeah i i agree yeah the i i think the pacing is a little lopsided for me is the word i would use in particular the balance between the flashback scenes and the modern you know the current day scenes or whatever yeah. like it there are definitely times where i'm like holy shit this movie is like 80 percent flashback yeah that's kind of i think that's what when i when i think about pacing in this movie it is the flashbacks where it's like wow there's a lot of this like yeah. they're, they're, they're interesting when you get into them but every yeah. time they flash back when you just see a flashback you're like oh fuck what how long is this gonna take <laughs> exactly it's like here you've been in the present for five minutes but now we're gonna jump into a 10 yeah. to 15 minute flashback scene yeah. yeah and you have no idea when you're actually gonna get back to the present yeah. yeah, and like you know, and they keep doing these things where it's like there's no Batman; he's pre-Batman, so you never get to see him in the fucking suit. You know? <laughs> yeah, and that was like my, my big thing with this. They show him for like half a second in his like OG suit with like the the no yellow circle mm-hmm. early kind of thing. They have that in here for like half a second, and it's like, oh, I want to see more of that. Yeah, like pouches and shit, and that's what they go back to in new animated, like the new animated adventures, whatever that thing yeah. is called, like the yeah. restyle. But by then, it's like there's less detail on the suit; doesn't have that cool blue effect that they use on the animated series design and stuff. So I don't. I was just, I'm all for like, just show me as many suits in this style as possible. This shit looks fucking awesome. I love Bruce Tim art stuff. So yeah, yeah. the flashback also reminded me a lot of Casablanca, just because it's the worst part of Casablanca. <laughs> like, because in Casablanca, you have that like all the drama and intrigue is in the present, so the past is supposed to be like this. Oh, th- this movie can't be so dark all the time. So let's look at Humphrey and Ingrid having a great time driving through <laughs> Paris, and it's kind of like, well, I want to learn more about all the crime that's happening. There's Nazis <laughs> happening. Can we go back to the I present? I get it. Please? They're in love. Yeah. We get it, yeah. And it was just like, and, and yeah, we get that scene where she disappears and whatever. But like, the there was a little bit too much flashback. Although I have to say, I'm glad they used the flashback in a certain way when it came to like the Joker reveal and uh, yeah. her father being murdered. And when she goes into the house, that was a really good flashback scene. So oh yeah, it's not a, it's a real effective way to yeah to tell that scene. Yeah, not all of the flashbacks were bad, but I agree that there were probably too many. Yeah. yeah 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 okay and then the only other thing for me is which i've already touched on is i'm just <laughs> probably at this stage i wouldn't have been sick of the 
Bruce can't ever stay happy slash keep a stable relationship trope. But at oh, this yeah. point, going back and watching it, I'm like, all right, can we just, especially considering we just got fucking blue ball again by Tom King. Yeah. Although they're, yeah. they're together now and okay, fine. But like for fucking like 30 years, we had been like, cock teased with like oh bruce has another love interest oh wait it's secretly she's gonna die or, or something yeah, yeah like exactly. somebody's gonna die or betray him or like <laughs> steal his seed to have fucking demon child robin <laughs> or whatever or uh, shit. Tom, yeah, yeah that that all that yeah all that stuff. <laughs> like this awful shit it's amazing that he even wants to date anybody at this point because like if i'd gone through what bruce had gone through i'd be like fuck it i'm just gonna kill a bunch of fucking yeah. bad guys and take care of gotham right? i don't know what else a to fucking do. monk now on yeah. top of batman <laughs> yeah i guess because like some portrayals of batman kind of have him because he's so focused on being batman that it's almost like He's kind of sexless in a way, like asexually yeah. vigilante. Well, and I'm not, not a this bad version thing. kind of becomes that too. When you like look at the yeah. long run of the animated shows, cause like you, you follow this Bruce from like, the, like here, like at the beginning of his career, all the way through like Batman beyond. Right. And yeah. you see that he ends up alone. His sexuality so, like, at one point becomes basically a, a front more than anything. Right. It's part yeah. of the Bruce. It's part of Bruce more than it's part of the bat. Yeah, and th- yeah. that's also that's always one of the things that interests me between uh in the dichotomy between superman and batman is with superman yeah he has the mask yeah soups is the mask and clark is the real guy with bruce it's fucking bat the bat is the you know is the closest yeah. thing to his, his true identity there's an in-between i've always kind of there's like a weird way of looking at it where like there's an in-between I think he's there's closer. like I mean, yeah, he's closer to Batman than he's like he is to any version of like the real world Bruce Wayne that people yeah. want to see. The, oh, the yeah. version, that, that person's yeah. fiction. Because there's that that moment in Batman Beyond where he's like, the, yes. they're trying to drive him crazy, and they call him Bruce in his head, and he, yes. uh, he tells Terry, "I don't oh, don't call myself Bruce in my head." Well, Terry asks him, he's like, "How did you know the whole time that you weren't? It wasn't you." He's like, "Because I don't call myself Bruce, Bruce. in my head." Yeah, and yeah. like Terry has to have that moment where he's like. Oh, oh, you're, you're that fucked. You're sick. Okay, I understand. <laughs> yeah, and I mean no, I that's think... a moment for the audience too. Like when you see that episode, you're like, oh shit, that's like actually fucking grim as shit. Like he really doesn't consider himself to be no. Bruce Wayne at all. He is Batman. I think the closest version that we ever see, at least in the comics, is in the uh, cave. The version, well, yeah, it's the version of him with the family. Yeah, right. in the case, is the version of him yeah. like with you know when he's around any of the Robins or yeah. Barbara or Alfred that kind of thing without anybody else around. That's yeah. the closest thing we Superman, get. Superman to, to yeah. a certain degree, yeah, yeah, like when he's when he's with the like the people he trusts, yeah. or or even Diana. The, yeah, there's been yeah, yeah. relationships there, and yeah, so yeah, I mean that's like I, honestly, she's the one who makes the most sense to me with Batman if it's not going to be with Catwoman <laughs> because they're both just yeah. like died in the wool warriors at that point and they did that story man in the tom king run where like they they take off for like centuries or like yeah, decades or whatever, yeah. and like they hook up because that's they're kind of kindred spirits in a lot of ways i have a weird batman wonder woman ship in my in the back of my head that i don't You're know not the only one i think it comes from the series though because they used it that in the justice league show a couple times they hinted at that also because yeah. she keeps kind of poking at him in the animated show and he's by that point at completely kind of written off everything it feels like anyway so i have one other semi-major gripe and it is at the end of this great fucking batman movie 
we have the shitty fucking end credits song, oh, song yeah. by Tia Carrera. Is it really remember Tia Carrera? Tia Carrera from fucking oh, Wayne's World? Oh man, I remember was, Tia Carrera. She was a guest star on fucking the that RuPaul show that was had one season on Netflix. AJ and the Queen. She's been she on was, Dancing with the Stars. Yeah, like oh, she's boy. a fucking D-list celebrity, if anything, these days. But back, you know, early '90s, like she was right off Wayne's World, man. B-list. She was hot as shit. Too. Relic like, Hunter. Sorry, Relic yeah. Hunter was the yeah. Like that horrible fucking song sounded like it belonged at the end of a fluffy anime, basically. What it, it actually reminded me, it always brings me back to this is more of a Paul reference, but like the the closing song that was on the original release of Symphony of the Night. Remember oh, the closing credits? They had this bad yeah. Japanese ballad at the end of Symphony of the Night that plays after this like yeah. twenty hour gothic horror thing that's got like <laughs> the best music in any video game ever. And like the end credits roll over this horrible ballad. <laughs> oh, it's I was bad. like, what is happening? And that they it always happens when I watch Mask of the Phantasm, that, that Tia Carrera song, I guess, starts to play, and I'm like, oh, <laughs> why did they do this? Just play the score. The score's so fucking good. I own this score. It's so good. Just do that. The only thing I can think is it must have been like some shitty contractual obligation thing. Like they had an obligation to put her on a certain number of like soundtracks or, or something like or that. Something. Yeah, or, yeah some shit like that. So like, all right, fine. Fucking throw her on this one. Yeah. This is what we got. Yeah. yeah. Yikes. <laughs> anyway. All right. So that's that's Batman Mask of the Phantasm. Let's do rate and review and final thoughts, boys. Let's start with Paul. Holy shit. Wait. While we're talking about music, did you realize Hans Zimmer played the synthesizer on this score? Oh, well, shit. That's an interesting... I did not know that. What is, Who obviously that? would then go on to do the music for the Dark Knight movies. Yes, he was He was the sole writer on the Dark Knight movies, if I'm not mistaken. When yeah. it came to the music, right? Like He scored all three of those movies. Anyways, sorry, I just found that. That's fucking cool. I didn't know I that. Like, that is a really cool little uh, connection. Okay, so we, we do need to say uh, Shirley Walker is the one who wrote the score for this. Yes. So she wrote the score for the show, too. But, like, this is probably her best. Like, this is the piece that she goes back to and says, is, like, her favorite piece ever is the uh, Mask of the Phantasm score. And to good reason. Like, it's probably the it. best Batman score. I mean, it's not that Elfman, like, the iconic crazy Elfman yeah. score, right? So this is the, the subdued, awesome Batman versus the insane, bombastic version or whatever. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> cool. So, yeah, let's do final thoughts. Final thoughts. I'm going to give this movie a 9 out of 10. Or, yeah, 9 out of 10. Sounds good. Because there are, like, some things that have aged about it. You know, the animation is and whatnot. But overall, this is the best Batman story on film. It might not be, like, the best executed visually. It might not be, like, have the best performances. Although it does have... Like it arguably, arguably has the best performances in it. Yeah. Yeah. So. I like where we will of course talk about Heath Ledger Joker in the future, but Mark Hamill is still the voice in my head when yeah. I, I am reading Batman comics as well. So I feel uh, like he is in the writer's heads too. Cause sometimes it almost like they write in his cadence. Like yeah, you can almost read some... the Joker's lines in his key. I don't know what, why, how, where that comes from. Maybe it's just, I'm crazy, but yeah. yeah Mark Hamill Joker. Whew, yeah. Love it. Love it. There's just so much to love about this movie. Batman feels so true to who Batman really had been and is and became. It's one of the best portrayals of the Joker where he rides that line between sinister and hilarious through the whole film. The character of Andrea Beaumont is well built and not just some like random damsel in distress, but like a good noir-esque 
femme fatale while still being like a Ingrid Bergman style female protagonist as well. Like they, I don't know how they did that, but it was really fucking good. All the side characters, the atmosphere, everything just worked really well. And in spite of the fact that it needed like maybe another 10 minutes or so and a budget boost of maybe a million dollars or so, it is still solid as hell. Nine out of 10. Nice. Tim. Nine out of 10 for me too. This is a very solid entry in the Batman feature film canon. And it's exactly what I want. It's sort of separate from it being a Batman piece in any way, shape or form. It's exactly what I want out of a movie based on a TV show. It takes the concept, it elevates it, it puts more money and a higher production value into it, and it tackles a story that's impractical to do in your standard TV episode format. There you go. So, yeah, for all of that and the fact that it is a fantastic Batman story, 9 out of 10. Yeah, cool. <laughs> I'm going to echo all the things that the, the boys just said and like 100% agree. And I'm like 9 out of 10. This is probably, when I go back and look at it, the only one that even comes close to it is The Dark Knight in terms of like me liking it as a Batman movie. For years, this was the one that people were like, what's your favorite Batman movie? I would be that prick who argued Mask of the Phantasm <laughs> because it is the best Batman movie out of almost any of them, really. Because they all become bigger things, right? Like they all become these huge superhero blockbusters and they become a million characters and whatever. If you just want a 90-minute Batman story Not that is well told, 75. like 70, yeah, like yeah. 80 minutes or whatever, like a nice solid Batman story where Batman feels like Batman, the Joker's fucking terrifying and well-performed, and you get Batman doing Batman things, what the fuck more do you want? This yeah. is a 9 out of 10 movie, guys. Yeah, and that's all of us saying that, which is... <laughs> unprecedented Very i think rare. at this point so when we all go like glowing on something you know this is something that's probably worth checking out at least once yeah so. it doesn't happen often guys so like no. it, <laughs> it, it just yeah. I, the only thing we're going to agree upon for the next little while is probably how fucking horrible <laughs> these two movies are <laughs> oh, yeah it's going to be interesting for me when we do get to the the uh nolan's the, yeah the nolan movies because I have a very rosy view of all three of those movies. I mean, Dark Knight is my favorite of the three of them, mm -hmm. but it'll be interesting to see how it, those movies stack up for me compared to this, because to be fair, it's been a while since I've watched Batman Begins in particular. It's real easy. If you're just going to rank them, two, one, three. It's That's the way it goes. <laughs> yeah, but... Begins is awesome and imminently watchable. Dark Knight is obviously insane. We're going to talk about these movies in depth. Like We're going to be doing long episodes about them, but like Dark Knight is crazy good. And Rises is just a product of what happened because of Keith not being around, I feel like. Mm. So we'll talk about it. We'll, we'll get in there. We'll get there. I really like Dark Knight Rises, but yes. I did. Hey, man, I got lots of love for Dark Knight Rises. We're going to talk about it. Trust me, because I like that movie a lot when we I saw it, too. But like it, it doesn't hold together as nicely, I, I don't think, upon like repeated viewings and like a, in comparison directly with its predecessor, which is insane. Yeah. So... <laughs> We'll go. Let's do geek cred. We'll start again. Well, let's start with Tim. Tim's talking. Let's do the Tim. Right. Geek cred. My geek cred this week goes back to all the crazy shit that's happening in the U.S. right now, and and change and revolution. So just today, Dave Chappelle dropped a new special on YouTube called 846, which is, of course, reference to the amount of time that George Floyd had a fucking shitty police officer stand on his or kneel on his neck until he died. It's up for free on YouTube. It was just recorded last week on June 6th. Basically, what it looks like is he just had held like a very small private concert in his fucking backyard in Ohio. He, he uh, it's actually high. He hired a or like 
rented out a wedding facility, like some place oh, where you'd okay. have a wedding reception and like actually hired a team up and stuff oh, okay. like that. I saw it today. It is yeah. fucking great. Like yeah. it is harrowing, but it is amazing. Everybody so. wearing masks, sitting six feet apart from each other, which is just weird. Weird it, to see it's on top weird, of everything it's else. Weird, everything yeah, is weird. weird. Fucking sight. It's very uncomfortable, but in a way that you need to be made to feel uncomfortable. Uh, and he talked very frankly about what is happening right now in America, about George Floyd, about all of the other black people that are murdered for no reason other than their race in the U S by police, by not police, by fucking shitheads like George Zimmerman uh, and the resurgence of the black lives matter movement and why, you know, he is not at all surprised that it's happening. And I have, I mean, ever since Chappelle's show have thought that Dave Chappelle is an amazing communicator uh, he has a very unique way of conveying his points and a way that it can be absorbed more easily by a much larger segment of the population than if you're using, you know, fucking thousand dollar words kind of thing. So I very highly recommend it. It is was very powerful and very impactful. I will second that. I was I had a bunch of other stuff. You can follow me on Instagram, mt underscore bullet or blackraingallery.com. But yeah, go watch that Chappelle thing. I watched it this morning. It was it was quite the sit. Um, I think people need to hear it also. Like Chappelle is very much filling the George Carlin role, I think, in the world now. He's that guy that's saying what needs to be said and doesn't fucking pull the punches. Yeah, exactly. He's doing he's doing exactly what like he learned from George Carlin, which was fucking say what you need to say and don't pull any punches. And, and, and Richard Pryor and Richard yeah. Pryor and yes, yeah, I don't want to discount anybody, but like, yeah, if, if I, for, I was immediately just like, this is the George Carlin, like yeah. this is that moment where like that guy comes out and says shit and like it, Chappelle's got there's issues with Chappelle all over the place, but like his like this thing was fucking you need to watch it. It's pretty when cool. he has a point, he gets it across, whether it's yes. a good point or not. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Chappelle's was... an interesting communicator, so there's yeah. that. Um, if you don't want to do that, go fucking find some Denny O'Neill and Neil Adams Batman comics. Um, watch Mask of the Phantasm or read the Denny O'Neill Batman stuff, because I'm gonna miss Denny O'Neill. He was a very nice man to me when I met him. Um, and I love those books. Those books are why I started drawing. Like the Neil Adams style of Batman is like my Batman. That's why I wanted to get into comics. That hairy chest Batman. Yeah, basically, like whatever that you would call that Batman, like the guy who the the sh- the broad chested like swashbuckling Batman of the Denny O'Neill era is very much like the Batman that is exists in my head, and like that's how I want to draw him. Like the light kind of acrobatic Batman, not the big bulky fucking dumb Frank Miller guy. Like I like the. You know, I like Neil Adams Batman, basically. So if you <laughs> go watch George, like go watch Chappelle and then when you need to come down from it, read some fucking Batman, I guess, because it, it's heavy. But yeah, it's good. Paul, it is Pride Month. It is also a time for black people to have their voices heard. So go do some black queer artist stuff. Like, read Roxanne Gay and her World of Wakanda. That would be a good example of supporting Black queer artists in a time when they really need it the most. Watch a show with Keenan Lonsdale in it. He's great. There's just, yeah, I love Mackinnon. Listen to his music. Support queer artists. Support Black artists. Support Black queer artists. Black trans artists. Just do that. Now is the time. There's a, a lot out there. There are so many resources out there where you can look up and find things that will suit your nerdy tastes, even if they are not written by someone who looks exactly like you. Unless you are a Black queer person listening to this podcast, in which case, you probably already know this stuff. But yeah, the gay queer world does extend beyond RuPaul's Drag Race. There's a lot 
happening. And yeah, go find it and enjoy because it's great. Awesome. All right. So that's us for this week, everybody. Thank you for listening. This has been episode 203 which is fucking mind-boggling, <laughs> um, of Dance Robot Dance. If you haven't already, please subscribe. You can do that from any podcatching app via Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, or Spotify. If you have any thoughts about what we talked about this week, I mean, if you want to talk Batman with us, we're not going to argue with you because that's what we like talking about, <laughs> obviously. You can hit us up on Facebook at facebook.com slash Dance Robot Dance Podcast. I mean, I'm not on there very much, but like Tim will fucking talk to you. Absolutely. <laughs> Not me, probably. Hit me up on Twitter. I'm on Twitter. <laughs> or hit my, my hit my Instagram up. That's where I actually kind of do most of my interacting with people. What was I doing? Facebook.com slash Dance Robot Dance Podcast. On Twitter, at DRD underscore podcast. Or you can email us directly at Dance Robot Dance Podcast at gmail.com. We should probably be better about checking that email address in case anybody has actually emailed us. So there's that. I don't think they have. No, probably not. <laughs> so uh, I've been here with my brother Paul for the last time in North America for a little while. Adios, Canada. On a jet plane on Sunday. Don't know when I'll be back again, literally, because I honestly <laughs> don't know. But uh, have fun, North America. Hopefully things get better here and hopefully that will extend to other places. But also, bye. Cool. Yeah. All right. So Tim, <laughs> and Tim was here. Right the bye. <laughs> bye, folks. All right. So I was Mark. I am Mark. And I'll be Mark next time, too. Fucked up. Uh, we will <laughs> talk to you next week, everybody. Go shove some baloney in your face. Yes. Baloney. My baloney has a first name. It's <laughs> probably something inappropriate. I was going I, I to go somewhere really gross with that, and I just didn't. So it's fine. <laughs> I told everybody to punch a cop last week on the podcast, and I left it in. So like, you can probably say anything <laughs> now. <laughs> no. No, punch I, a cop, I'm, guys. Go punch a cop. <laughs> I don't, all right, I'm out.